Welcome back to We Were Thinking. I'm Kevin Green, and as always, I'm joined by Nick Clymer. What's up, Nick? How you doing, man? And today, we're honored to have a very special guest. This guy is the best art director that I know in the world. Uh, he, I, I affectionately call him, call him Johnny West. Uh, John Jurek, welcome, man. Thank thanks you. For, Thank you for having thanks me. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely, man. Kanye West, not to be confused with, well, that's back when Kanye was not crazy. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I just want to make sure that's out there. It used to be a compliment, but I don't know about now. I think yeah. it's still a compliment. It still is. It's it amazing is. how many people do call you Kanye, though. <laughs> it's kind of stuck. It's nice. That's yeah. a good thing. All right, what do we got today, man? Yeah, so John, uh, John, do you want to give a plug real quick? You're a part of a really cool, is it like an organization or just a hobby? What is it? Explain to people what VCR of Death is. Uh, sure. Um, it kind of started as a hobby. Um, I'm a big movie buff. Yep. And um, when you watch a lot of movies, you kind of appreciate good and bad movies. Right. And you start really enjoying bad movies. Yep. The really bad ones. Really, so, really bad, right? Really, really bad. And so. Like epic. Epically bad. So me and two of my friends started just watching together, had a beer, watching these films, it was great. And then, like, oh, we need to find some more of these bad movies. And we kind of discovered that most of them aren't on DVD, they're just on VHS. Okay, And nice. you need to go out of your way to try to find them. Yep. Where do you find your, your VHS tapes? Because, Kevin, do you even know what a VHS tape is? I do. Barely, though. Mm, like, you I hardly... Grew up, I grew up on VHS. But you hardly even use CDs, man. All my all my Disney movies and stuff like that are on VHS. Oh, that's from good. growing up, like oh, yeah. Aladdin. So so Kevin Green. Oh boy. Uh huh. You you every time, man, you fall into it. How's Kevin catching up on culture? Kevin has not been catching up with culture. So Kevin now owes me two lunches. Two lunches. Dude, yeah. it's gonna start costing you pretty soon, especially when I say I can go wherever I want. Yeah, exactly. All yeah. right. Sorry, John. I didn't mean to digress there. Oh please. All, all right. right. So so VHS tapes, where do you source these? I mean, are you like scouring pawn shops? Are you out there? you know searching the trash cans in the streets of big d i mean what you doing uh, it depends um most of the time you can find them on ebay that's kind of the main source mm-hmm. and you'll be shocked with how expensive some of these tapes can be just how rare they are wow. um i personally like to go to garage sales or half price books and just kind of find these random bargain bins of these just insane movies and uh just kind of we get together and just watch them all nice so how many movies do you think you've watched so far with VCR of Death? Mm, probably close to 200. Wow, that's amazing. And how long have you been doing it? For about a year, year and a half now. year, year and a half. That's wow. a lot of movies, man. I mean, and especially since, like, you have to rewind these things. Like, it's yes. not like it's not like you just hit back. Like, you got to stop. Yeah, that's that's crazy. So, so what is, what is, like, one of the most outlandish, insane, you know, just ridiculous films that you guys have watched? They run the gamut of just pure gore fest versus right. just really 70s psychological films. Um, personally, I'm a big fan of these really terrible action films of the late 80s, early 90s, <laughs> where it's just kind of um, very simple plots. And there's actually a famous company called uh, City Lights where they basically just filmed wherever they could in L.A. and basically saved any money they could just to do explosions. Yeah, and so, <laughs> and as you watch these films, you know it's like they use the same street, like this is a certain amount of street that they can just get away with them having these really yeah, simple set. car chases. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now, is this is this the um, is this the studio that you guys have the most collected VHS tapes for, or is that a different one? I remember seeing some article or something. You guys got picked up on social media about having like the largest collection of one VHS tapes from a very specific studio. Is that still the case? Yes. Um, one of my friends, Derek, who um, just is fascinated with this certain 
group of films, uh, Regal Films, and because one, most of these have the best box art. And this is back in the day when um, you actually hire an artist to do the cover. And so, like, I'm a big fan of them because they're just these gorgeous pieces of art. And so you get both that plus the movie itself. So it's kind of a double whammy for me as an yeah, artist. Nice, nice. That's cool. totally nice. So how many uh, movies are you guys consuming on a regular basis? Is this like a weekly thing? Do you get together and do this? And, and also, how do people kind of keep up with what you're doing? How do you, how do you show the world what exactly it is that you're, you know, bleeding your eyes out watching? So um, we definitely have more tapes than we can possibly watch, but we try to do twice a month, get together and watch the three films in a night. Luckily, most of these films barely hit the 70 marks, so we can knock them out pretty easily. Nice. And then um, what we do is we shoot the cover of the box art, and then we post it to Instagram at VCR of Death, which we have um, just got past 8,000 followers what? this week. What? Wow. A lot Pretty of people loving VHS what? out there. Wow. Yeah. Well, we're going to give you all a plug. It won't be, well, we'll see how many followers you get off of it, but, <laughs> you know, maybe you can return the favor I with want your that little, bump. Hey, you're going to get it, man. We'll the get we you, were thinking bump. We're yeah. going to get you to 8,004. So <laughs> there you go. Well, that's awesome, dude. Um, you know, is there anything that you would tell people who want to start a collection of VHS tapes, where they can start? And where do you get a VHS player these days? Great question. That's a really great question. Um, a lot of times it's on eBay. You'd be shocked. There's a very niche market for this, and it goes hand-in-hand with VHS tapes and VHS players, uh, VCR tapes and VHS players. And so a lot of times you'd be kind of searching for VHS tapes, and then you find some good VCRs that are right. working. Nice. I actually find people actually decorate VCRs in kind of these cool old movies because they know like the purpose of it now for yeah. Uh, VCRs is to play these tapes. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. So at VCR of Death on Instagram, right? And then VCR of Death on Facebook. Yes. Cool. So we'll transition to our next topic, which is Westworld. So we'll we'll stop right here for a spoiler alert. Speaking of death. Speaking Westworld. of a lot of death. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Death. So if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it, make sure that you guys just skip this section. Don't stop listening. Just yeah. skip this section. We've got a nice little nice little ender for you guys. It's completely different. Exactly. So so Westworld. So I, I started watching Westworld when I realized that my AMC subscription changed on uh, my cable provider and I wasn't able to watch the shows without purchasing them anymore for <laughs> um, Walking Dead. So I saw Westworld and nice. I love my HBO now yeah. and uh, started watching it and was remarkably surprised. Um, John, I, I, I noticed, has, has become quite the buff on uh, keeping up with the interwebs when it comes to yeah. Westworld. And um, I know, Kevin, you've enjoyed the show. A lot, yeah. It is really... So let's get some just some overall thoughts first. So I think it was it's I kind of had a Game of Thrones sized uh, hole in my life, um, and this really kind of filled it. it it's kind of that it's one of those obsessive shows where after I watch it, I would immediately go to the internet and see like, okay, what does that mean? It's a lot of a lot of mystery, a lot of symbolism in it, and I would I would sort of seek out more information on it. I couldn't just I didn't just watch the the hour. I would I would feel compelled so, to you know go seek out more information on it. So I have a question for both of you guys. You're both in a similar you know generation, and yep. it seems like I don't know, man. I don't go seek out on the internet all of the plots and twists right. and details. I guess for me it ruins it partially. Mm, you know, like like I get off social media when I'm watching shows as much as I can, especially the night, the couple nights after 
a show is aired just because I don't want to know the spoilers. I mean, that was the worst with Game of Thrones because you'd, right, yeah. you'd see like a meme of such and such is dead and you're like, oh, man, oh, I, I wanted that thrill. And it's yeah. like the internet has killed the thrill of TV for me. A little bit. So yeah. like, why do y'all find such a fascination in, in like digging in? I mean, John, is it, I think you're really into the blogs and digging deep into the info. What What drives you to do that? Well, me personally, I don't really care about spoilers. Um, I'm more fascinated by the twists and turns of people thinking about the show. And actually, I appreciate that more of kind of after each episode going on and seeing what people think, what the interpretation of what happened, what their ideas of what's coming up next, and just the amazing theories that people come up with, which is almost like a show in its, of itself, kind of listening to that and looking at that. Yeah, John, I agree. And in a show as dense as Westworld, it really, for me, I just need to hear other people's interpretations of what I just watched. There's so much symbolism in this show and like subtle touches that you would miss, you know, if you just watch it once. And so I seek out episode recaps. You know, there's Reddit, you know, threads that have all the theories on it. But the sort of the trade off with that is you sort of do miss the, you know, the um, the excitement, the excitement and then the sort of that intrigue of waiting to the next week, because. I mean, even for uh, season one, there were major uh, plot points that were uh, given away uh, or figured out like pretty early into the season. And so that kind of took away some of the sort of the um, sort of the umph well, I definitely the reveal later on in the season. I definitely didn't realize some of the characters like I didn't realize we were time shifting. Yeah. Like I had no clue that was going on. Um, you know, I will admit I watched this show called All of Us. You seen that one? What, what's that one? It's it's. I mean, this is us. This is us. Yes. Oh my god! I'm so, I'm so terrible. I was like all of us. Anyway, this is us, and it does a lot of the same kind of right. things that I didn't realize it was doing in the first couple of episodes. But anyway, um, you know, I I guess I see the point of of kind of digging in. For me, I I prefer going back watching a series again and oh, okay. then figuring it out. It's kind of like movies are the same way. I love the yeah. thrill of the first pass, not really knowing what's happening. But I guess that's for me. It doesn't ruin the characters and it doesn't ruin right. like the purity of of what it was. But in this case, I mean, Westworld, man, so thick. John, what are the what are some of the most surprising things for you that the internet told you that you didn't get from actually watching watching the shows? Well, it's amazing how in depth they go. Um, I know. I think from episode two, they already guessed the timeline theory just based off a logo in the background yeah. and a logo mm-hmm. on a, a suit. Yeah. The logos were different in, in the two timelines. So, yeah, someone spotted that. And that's yeah. something that you would have spotted on a second watch. But that second watch experience is kind of happening real, real time. time. Right. Wow. So, yeah. mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. What else surprised you? Um, just kind of these random thoughts people had. You know, once understanding this the timeline and that this you know character is doing the same thing over and over again for the longest time. So, like in the first episode, we see the main character um, Evan Rachel Woods, uh, character, Dolores, yeah. Dolores mm-hmm. painting. And so, like a big part of Reddit was asking, like, so how many paintings are there? There must be like thousands and thousands of paintings she's doing yeah. every mm-hmm. day. Uh, it's true. And then um, actually, I think uh, Jonathan Nolan, one of the uh, creators, yeah. Re- we applied back on Reddit and showed a little behind the scenes where they actually discover like a thousand of them just like stacked up together. <laughs> wow, that's cool. That's interesting. It, it, it's just such a deep show. There's so many layers to it. I think for me, the thing that I was most uh, impressed by is just the the performances by the actors. So you had human beings having to play robots, and I think the sort of coldness, but also the humanity humanity that they portrayed. You think of Evan Rachel Wood as Dolores. Or even spoiler alert, Jeffrey Wright as uh, Bernard, and then Arnold. The, these, I mean, these 
humans are robots and they're conveying these big emotions but then you kind of have to like put, uh, they put the audience at arm's length when they have to go into robot mode so I thought I thought that was really cool the way the performances that the directors and the actors were able to to achieve on this so I think I think that was that was good for me uh, what about you anything else for you Nick I you know the thing that gets me is when I think about because I haven't gone back and watched more or right. really dug in the way you guys have but I, I mean one of the things that surprised me, um, I mean, I saw the ending coming, so I wasn't as surprised with how it went. I just gotcha. don't know what the hell's going to happen next. I mean, you've got all yeah. these people coming out of the woods. Then you've got, like, I mean, where are they going to go next? Is there another world? I mean, I do I do realize, and once, I mean, of course, that was after talking to you guys. <laughs> you know, I realized that the SW was on a wall when yeah. they saw the mm-hmm. samurai guys. So it's like, are we going to samurai world now? Yeah. yeah. Are, we, are we now going to have this total Japanese setting in a totally different world? And will all the characters, I mean, are they going to do the whole Keanu Reeves, I'm an Asian guy thing? Or are they right. gonna, is HBO going to actually do it correctly because that's that's one thing i have liked about the show is that it's been reasonably diverse yeah it has had a good cast of people that i feel they did a good job of not just sticking to what hollywood typically does right uh which has been nice so if they do go to different worlds or different places how are you know how authentic are they going to be yeah well seeing the same world kind of brought up a big question that I've been thinking about the whole season is that how do swords and knives work? Um, because mm. I understand guns, uh-huh. like you shoot them, yeah. it can read that it's a robot versus not, and so hit them versus just like a, almost like a paintball, like yeah. leave a bruise but I won't do anything. But knives are, like the biggest thing I've wondered throughout the whole season is when someone stabs somebody, how do you know that's not a guess they're stabbing? Like what exactly. stops that? Yeah. Or when an arrow shot through the air. Yeah. And now we're heading into samurai world, which is purely swords it's all knives swords knives. spears yeah. knives yeah wow i didn't think about that what else would it mean i guess there'd be a lot of things that you'd have to try to figure yeah, out Yeah, i think for samurai world maybe the samurai world is dangerous like it's actually dangerous for you as a human being whereas westworld is a little bit more tame because it there's so maybe westworld is the tamest world of all of these parks it could and who knows how many parks there are is it just two is it three is it four you know it's the, so there's the possibilities are kind of there's a good the question show. for the two of you what is your prediction for how many because i want to go back later no different than our oscar i mean our uh, grammy stuff yes um what uh how many worlds do you think there are would you think we're going to get a new world each season that'd be cool oh yeah i could see that i could but i could also see there currently being like two or three worlds i think we know there's definitely two i think there may be another world out there somewhere or in the same you know uh, facility well and, and when is it that the the world as we know it is actually the world but then the other world is really the real world but it's not necessarily a real world it's all an yeah. ai world and the you know people are trapped within it this thing could just get so twisted yeah. and weird that's why you got to go to the internet is just because it's so freaking confusing and like your mind is so blown after each episode i personally think i think we're it's either in space or it's another planet. I've well, seen that theory floated yes. out a lot too. You know we are in space, Kevin. I know. I mean, like a deep space. <laughs> wow. I guess we are in deep. I don't know. See, the th- this thing makes you an idiot because it's so smart. Blow. Um, so that's kind of what we like about the first season. What are some criticisms that we have, John? What are you? What are you critical of of the show? Well, I thought the last episode definitely didn't live up to the hype of the yes, season. Right. Um, Especially which, if you're on the internet and it exactly. ruins it all for you. Yeah. Well, I felt like it. Um, the previous episodes were able to overcome that 
Um, mm. I think one of the best things about Westworld is the fact that it understands that it can't, there's a big difference between a reveal and a twist. Yeah. And that um, mm. when there's a twist, it's just a twist and that's it. And if you already know the twist, there's no point. Right. Our reveal is that, you know, you even if you know it's coming, there's actually a point to it. It helps move the plot along. Right. Helps things go happen. So I think Westworld is very good at just making things um, a reveal. So when like you find out that uh, Bernard is Arnold or that it's different multiple timelines, it's actually just like, yes, that's correct. Now let's move on and keep going. So, so yeah. how does a studio in this day and age yep. go from filming something six months before it releases yep. to having to almost act in real time to keep its viewers surprised. I mean, like, what do you right. do? Do you film four different endings and you decide which one's going to play? I mean, That's how do you, like, how mm. would you write for that? Like, we know that, like, Breaking Bad, that show was very well scripted and, and it was figured out a long time before it hit the hit the streets. Right. I mean, now, I mean, I, the, um, why did I just go completely blank <laughs> on uh, Walking Dead? Yes. You know, mm-hmm. Walking Dead, well, which I've heard is jump the shark at this point and yeah. it's it's not worth watching, which I hope that's not the case, but maybe so. You know, like, it, again, it, I guess there's an expectation that there's some absurdity to it, that right. it's everybody kind of expects it to be, okay, uh, I'll give it that. But, like, Westworld seems to be high, like, like held to a much higher standard, kind of yeah. like Game of Thrones. So, yeah. so John or Kevin, I, I pose this question to you guys. What do producers and filmmakers do to, to make it so that they can, can like, mess up the internet and, and actually surprise everybody. Well, I think they kind of have to give give up on the twist, as John, as John was talking about, as the thing that will keep people interested. And it's more of the art of the reveal. So it's like, how is that the twist that everyone knows is coming going to be handled? So the way that uh, Bernard as a robot was revealed, it still, like, hits you like a ton of bricks, even though... Um, you knew it was coming, right? It was him. It was him looking at that door and saying, "What door?" It's like, whoa! Like so, something. so more time. It's a timing thing rather than it actually happening. It's just like you're holding your breath because you exactly. know it's coming. You just don't know how long you're gonna how, hold your breath. Yeah, how is it gonna happen? Like everyone knows this moment is is coming. How are you gonna nail that that reveal? I think that's what'll start to become the new norm because people are too smart and there's too many people watching the finite details and now they have the the means to sort of get those observations out to multiple people. People or millions of people actually. That so. makes sense, John. What do you think? I'm actually uh, fascinated by this subject. Um, I know for Walking Dead, they actually shot multiple scenes of different people getting killed because they knew that it was probably going to be released somehow, or people going to find out. Um, there's yeah. actually people sending in drones to try to capture these <laughs> moments happening. <laughs> so Crazy much. And man. so there's actually a lot of things people have to do to kind of keep these secrets under wrap because people just want to discover them. Yeah. And um, when they're discovered, it's up to just to create us to just lie and be like, no, no, that's not going to happen. I, I promise you, no, that's not real. And my favorite one is when um, Star Trek Into Darkness came out. Uh-huh. Um, everyone was like, oh, um, he's, he's con. It's it's obvious he's con. I, <laughs> I haven't it, seen it yet. I mean, well, I haven't seen any Star Trek. That's another culture I need to catch up with. Whatever, but, Kevin. Yeah. yeah. When um, uh, what's the actor's name? Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. He's yeah, going to be. Everyone's like, oh, he's definitely the bad guy. He's going to be con. And so J.J. Abrams had to come up like, no, no, no. I promise you, he's not him. I swear yeah. on everything, uh, he's not him. And of course, it was him. And you just ruined it for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Thanks. Spoilers. Yeah. Thanks, but, man. Um, it's not that good. But uh, <laughs> the scene is really bad because they, when they ask, they they capture him and then like, who are you? And there's this weird tension moment where he's like. I'm con and like this dun 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 music happens dun 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 and you're kind of like 
we already know that, so that's pointless to do that. Right. And if you're the type of person who's never seen Star Trek or knows what's happening, you're like, who is this person? Am I supposed to know who this is? So it's just kind of really a bad situation where they just go hoping for the twist would work and didn't. Yeah. You got to nail the delivery. It's yes. about nailing the delivery these days. People know, people are too smart and they have <laughs> too much time on their hands to analyze this stuff. And you have to like deliver on that moment. Everyone knows it's coming. I think that's the, I think that may be the future. It's like twists on their own are not a effective storytelling device anymore. I think we've I think we've hit that point in culture to where that's happening. Like I even think right. for Game of Thrones, some people have probably already figured out how it's going to end even though there's no book written or the you know they're still shooting stuff so it's just i think it's just a sort of a fork in the road for these as, as these showrunners and things like that and i think for there's even shows out there like um mr robot in the first season where they i mean the creator said like yeah i'm not really interested in this you know this big twist i'm more interested in what it means for the characters and so it's, it's more that's really what it that's really what it's about these days is is just um more the character development piece and then also nailing the delivery you gotta nail the delivery. I mean, it is amazing when people as you said just spend their time trying yeah. to figure this stuff out i mean mm-hmm. i know when uh force awakens came out yeah when they revealed the title people were like "Ooh, i was shocked about the, like you know what is it going to be yeah and when they did like it came out that some guy nailed it back in 2001 because like oh um, he had like an algorithm of like words possible it can be <laughs> and he came up with force awakens and it happened oh, to be wow. that it's like wow That's people awesome. just you know can solve these things so fast. All right, so so um, that was really great for you to say that because I wanted to mention Rogue One. Yes, I am like ridiculously excited about this movie next Ca- week. Right? I don't even know if you should be allowed to go. Mm, I, mean, I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, your first Star Wars experience being Rogue One may set the bar. Yeah, so high it may ruin the rest of. I the could watch Force. You. I have Force Awakens on my Apple TV. I could watch that. And but then, that doesn't really help you. Yeah, it's a different, know. I don't it's know. a totally I don't really different think. thing. Yeah. You're going to be so confused as to what you're watching and why you're watching it. Yeah. It's fine. So but it's supposed to be really good, right? I, yeah. Uh, yeah. So John, what have you heard about it so far? But don't like spoil it for me. I wanted to be excited about this. Okay. So for most of these big releases, they have, you know, a pre-screening for online critics because um, they can do social media and they usually can allow to, instead of doing full reviews, can do the, like, the one post. Right. Just kind of their first thoughts. Yeah. And there's a lot of kind of content about, you know, if if it's, should we follow this rule of like when these bloggers come out saying this film's gonna be amazing because you have, you know, certain amount of characters to say, oh, this is gonna be great. This is fantastic. I love this movie. Yeah. And then it turns out to be either, you know, Green Lantern or Batman v Superman. was like, <laughs> wow, what, you know, what were you thinking? Yeah. But uh, just today it came out, a bunch of people, bloggers came out with their first reaction saying that's amazing. It's like the top three Star Wars film. Wow. That certain characters still the show, that it's just mm, action packed. Even though the you know there's been the film's been marred with um, reshoots and some issues, and people have been questioning if this is gonna be any good with it being a first kind of standalone movie, but apparently it's been revealed well, that's is, amazing. This is Disney's key to keeping the franchise alive yeah. is Rogue One. If yeah. Rogue One works, then the Han Solo movie should work. Um, if they do a Boba Fett movie, you know, right. whatever they do, it kind should be... Kind of a be, proof of concept yeah. for standalone movies. Yeah, yeah. because, I mean, the, the whole idea of constantly doing trilogies, I, I don't think they need to. I think they've they've done yeah. the trilogies. You know, I think 7, 8, and 9 should about wrap it up. Right. Um, and, you know, because it... I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes, but I'm also kind of... I think it's very neat that I get to share the star wars experience with my kids and they yeah. may be able to share it with their kids yeah so the fact that you know we've we've 
I was I was worried about the Disney buyout at some point because I'm like, God, what are they going to do? But they've I feel like they've held true. So Disney way to go, and yeah. and we'll see where it goes. There's so, no stopping the Star Wars train. Like this is I mean this is a with between Marvel the Marvel movies and these movies like. Disney knows it has like a cash cow in its hands, and they they will keep cranking these movies out as long as people go see them. Yeah, and and they have the rights to the property, so they like they have to they have to use it. So yeah, these movies are going to be coming out forever. Well, I'll, is... I'll have plenty of time to catch up. Well, we yeah. will we will start putting some more of our predictions out there on the blog as well as the site and on Facebook. Yes. Check us out at facebook.com slash we were thinking we're also on twitter at at we were thinking um and yeah just just you can follow us on itunes or on soundcloud soundcloud all we were thinking all we were thinking um one last thing i want to say about westworld is that anthony hopkins is amazing i gotta i have to agree with that love him and um i was watching uh, red dragon last night because my wife has never seen it, oh. and um, it's a great movie, which is surprising because it's a Brett Ratner film, and he's a terrible director, but he um, <laughs> yep. he's so good in it, and it's amazing watching that and then watching Westworld that he is the master of one lines that just yeah. can mean anything. Oh, yeah. Like, he'll just say, just like a, a thing in the last episode, he's like, see you at the dinner. Is he yeah. at the dinner tonight? And it's such a kind of a code read. Yeah. Like, even the actors had to stop and look at him like, I... I is that a threat? Is there so much yeah. layered content? Is that an invitation? That? It's oh, an invitation yeah. to something you don't yeah. want. Yeah, no, and I think is. for in terms of his character, I think his performance was great. But just the the character he was given and the way it was written, I didn't like that he had ultimate power over everything. So even even at the the Maeve plot where she's planning her escape, like that was pre programmed. It's like. It just kind of took a little bit of the fun away from yeah. the show. Like this guy is basically he's he's God essentially, and he has control over everything. And kind of took the drama away. Yeah. But you did kind of feel almost like one of the robots, like you were helpless against him. So maybe that was intentional. I don't know. Maybe so, but I do feel like that's a now um, an out they can use. Was like uh, yeah. Oh, four knew everything. He knew this was going to happen. So right. Why would this character do this? Oh, four knew that. It's all. F- all, part, all parts of Ford's plan. Yeah. But I think it's just a really decent out they can use. Yeah, so now that he's gone, it'll be... That's probably one of the things I'm most looking forward to is how in a post-Ford world... Or is he? Or is he, yeah. Or but, was that just, you know, maybe that was what he was building Maybe that was a robot there. version of, of the real, actual Ford. Well, Who remember, knows? when they yeah. were down underground, he was building something, and you don't know who or true. what it was. And, I mean, all of a sudden, that could have just been his decoy. I mean, come on. So, I, yeah, I don't know if he killed the real him for the robot him to live on because that, that way he kind of has eternal life or or what. But, yeah, if if he is dead, how will the show, like, what crutch will the show have to fall back on in terms of in terms of plot since he's not there anymore but the more i think about it, he's probably not he, he'll be back he'll be well, back in some form it'd be kind of like how's oklahoma gonna survive without kevin durant <laughs> good segue that's a really wow, good segue really good segue today that, that's well i'm unexpected. just saying yeah. like you know yeah, you, you were talking about this morning how westbrook yeah. is just blowing it up and yeah, i is. mean so all right so a little backstory um we're all big nba fans oh, yeah. i've been a mavs ticket uh a season ticket holder for 11 years now yep. and i'm really sad that this year is the first year i've not been able to sell a ticket to save my life yeah um, pretty bad but year. you know I, I got a lot of faith in my team i think that whether we get a good draft pick or maybe they'll have some you know crazy resurgence the second half of the season i still believe in my boys i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep my season tickets i'm gonna hang on to them but um what do you guys what do you guys think about the nba this year yeah so let's talk about the Mavs first i think this was inevitable right so we won the championship in 2011 right 
And for the last four years, four to five years, we have been piecemealing together teams. And somehow, just by the magic of Dirk and uh, Rick Carlisle, they've managed to make the playoffs. And one year they didn't make the playoffs, but they've managed to at least be competitive. And so when you do that, you just kind of keep stringing along these mediocre seasons and you don't get good draft picks and you just kind of rely on free agents and trades. Right. And so this year. The injuries to Dirk and Darren Williams and Bogut and Berea and pretty and Devin Harris, pretty much half the team, they were actually a blessing in disguise because the 2017 NBA draft was going to be really, really good. You're going to have a chance to get a really good player, uh, and so I think the the rebuild can start. We can maybe we could potentially get our next Dirk in this upcoming draft. So I think any if you're a fan of the Mavs and you're rooting for them, rooting for them to win. You you need to start rooting for them to lose more, so we can have the best chance of getting of getting the draft <laughs> that's pick. That's so hard. I, I know that's man. bad for, for so your season hard. tickets, but it's I think it's the best thing for the franchise. We need, and you know, this could be a fast rebuild. I mean, Harrison Barnes is looking really good. Mm-hmm. Wes Matthews looks really good right now. Um, this guy Dorian Finney-Smith looks pretty good. Who they've been starting. Justin Anderson still has potential. So you have some young talent there. If you added a superstar or a future superstar draft pick next year, this could be a two-year rebuild as opposed to a five-year rebuild. So I can't handle a five-year rebuild. No. Well, I think it's apparent that the NBA has become a league of point guards and big men. Yes. Um, yep. Which we have neither, and that's yeah. the biggest issue. Um, we tried with Rondo, didn't work out. Nope. Um, who we have now? Uh, Darren Williams. Yeah, we have Darren Warren. Enough Williams. said there. Enough said. Yeah. And so we definitely need to fill those positions. Yeah, um, for sure. I think for Oklahoma, they have one of the best point guards, uh, but no big man. Right. And so that's probably to be their downfall. Right. Golden State, they don't doesn't really have a big man either. Nope. But they so. they're so like ridiculous on offense that they, they may like, they may be able to shoot their way out of that. Exactly. Yeah. They have three point guards on the floor each night. So pretty much, yeah. I think it's. For us as Mavs fans, it's going to be how can we fill those positions, right? And then become um, dominant in the league, right? I think so. You look at the 2017 draft; it's like the top three players are point guards. So if we currently have the worst record in the league right now, so that gives us a I think it's a 25 percent chance of getting the number one pick, and then the odds of a top three pick are even greater. So if we can land one of those top three point guards. I think we will like we'll be set up nicely for the future because you look at, you know, superstar rookie point guard, uh, West Matthews and Harrison Barnes as your sort of like one, two and three. And then from that point, maybe you have Dirk for another year and then you just need who's your sort of athletic big man. Uh, and that may you may have to get that guy in the draft next year. Or mm-hmm. is there a free agent out there that could potentially be that? So, person? So let me so. throw this out there. All right. So you're the owner of the Mavs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you encourage your team and your coach to lose? Do you because I mean think about it. Yeah. You, like think about this from a business perspective because I that's I I mean I always do. It's just what happens. Right. It goes through my brain. I go well if I own them. <laughs> so I mean think about it. So you've got they are literally like I get emails every other day from my um, agent my my Mavs right. season ticket agent right. And Kenny will send me a note and say, hey, we've got this, like, come on out and you can meet all the Mavs dancers and we'll move you up to the front row or (laughs) we'll do this or we'll do that. I mean, they are obviously struggling just to get the season ticket holders to come in because, you know, getting your season ticket holders and to experience it, to remember why they got it is super important. And nobody's going. Like, have you watched on TV when they pan out? Like, they've stopped panning out into the crowd. A lot of of gray seats. The front row doesn't even have anybody. Yeah. So as the owner of the Mavs, 
Mavs, as yeah. the coach of the Mavs, do you start encouraging your players to start backing down? Like not not your 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 up and coming kids that are basically tr- you're trying to learn, but right. is this just a year to learn and that your your stars kind of back off a bit and maybe they get healthy for a year? Yeah, I think so. I think the good thing about this season is that they just aren't good enough to win. Like, I think it, there's this phrase out there called organic tanking is what, what they're doing right now. They, they're they trying really hard in a lot of these games, except for the Sacramento game earlier this week where uh, Rick Carlisle got pretty, pretty pissed at the team. But they're trying really hard in these games, but they just don't have the guys to do anything. Right. So I think it's actually, I mean, you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. You're getting competitiveness from your young guys and then even from your veterans. They're still out there, tr- uh, you know, working their butts off. But you're not winning, so I think it's the best of both worlds. So I think Cuban is Cuban and Carlisle are probably encouraging the team, like you know, guys keep competing, keep fighting. But they just don't have the they don't have the horses to go out there and win. So. But does this break your spirit? I mean, what what do you think, John? Yee? Um, breaking the spirit. I think for any athlete, they just want to compete. Um, I think West Matthews came out saying like you know, we're, just to be able to play in the NBA is an amazing thing. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. we just got to go out and play. Yeah, you know, we can't worry about if we win or lose. Yeah. And so uh, I think there's enough veterans on the team that will help the young players. Like, this is how it is. We just got to keep playing. And then next season will be better. Yeah. I wish they had done it earlier, honestly, because you think, like, they, there was always this excuse or this crutch of, you know, Dirk's t- he's getting towards the end. We got to be competitive for Dirk. But if they had done this two, three years ago, you get your superstar draft pick or your, you know, your potential superstar draft pick, they would have been probably good by now. Right. Uh, and Dirk's last two years would have been super competitive. Like, imagine if you would have gotten uh, a player like, I don't know, I mean, you wouldn't have gotten Anthony Davis or someone like that, but a player of his caliber in, like, those top three picks or a Ben Simmons right. uh, last year or Joel Embiid, Andrew Wiggins the years before. What if you had got one of those guys, and now that player would be rounding in the form, and then you have a superstar in him, a guy like Harrison Barnes, a guy like Wes Matthews, and then Dirk, who in the right role as a third or fourth, second or third option is still a really dangerous weapon. I think you could be good. So I, I just would say I'd done it earlier, but I think as a fan, it, I hate flipping on and just seeing them getting their butts kicked, but I think this is what's best long-term for the team. Can I pose a question to you, Kevin? Yeah, what's up? Um, this may be a crazy theory, mm-hmm. but do you feel that the league actually determines which teams can tank or a certain number of teams can tank in a season? Oh, so that's a really – I think I do think uh, teams are encouraged uh, not to tank for sure. Like um, when, uh, for example, the 76ers from last year, they were they were the worst offenders of it. And the league basically brought in um, uh, Jerry Colangelo to run the 76ers. And that was that was sort of mandated by by the league and he was brought in to make the team more competitive and this year they are more competitive so I do think teams are encouraged from taking but I don't think there's like a set number of teams and especially for the Mavs it's just it's just been injuries and Mm -hmm. and a a dearth of talent so explain your question you've obviously got some thoughts on that well it just it seems that um I'm sure it benefits as you talked about people not going to these games that if multiple teams decided to tank a season that um it may hurt the viewership I know um, NFL is having issues with viewership right now. Um, NBA seems to be on the rise, and they, they actually don't seem to have a ceiling right now. Like it's amazing how far they can go. Yeah, and I think that's why you see a lot of the teams uh, this year are super competitive. Um, and I think that's—I mean, I think that's just 
the benefit of a lot of teams who are so bad for so long that they're they're they, they got their draft picks and they're finally good now and why they're such a small uh you know lower class the middle class is really big and the upper class is really small middle class is big and then the lower class is really small so there's like a really the middle class of the nba is probably the healthiest it's ever been like it's it's super competitive but no one's gonna you know i think it's still gonna be warriors Cavs part three in the finals but the the lower class is really not that many teams that are like as bad as the mavericks so i think again i think it's a really good year to be bad uh for those guys so that's the mavs uh the sad state of the mavs we may check in on those guys but maybe not mostly around like who are the draft picks next year that we that they'll draft yeah which which seats can nick pick up because exactly this is season so bad maybe i can get some cheaper seats closer up because nobody wants you may get sit on the bench by the end of the season that'd be so great they'll win like 10 games my 10 dollar (laughs) nosebleeds so we'll let's let's wrap up with just a sort of a quick hits around the league so a couple couple of the stories that have caught my attention i think russell westbrook has just been insane i know we're all we all Yeah, we all play fantasy basketball, and if we were doing our fantasy drafts, and you wanted two guys in your on your team, it was Harden or Westbrook, and Westbrook has even just surpassed. He's, I mean, he's averaging a triple double right now, which is insane, Um, and he's kind of single handedly like willing that team into uh, the playoff picture in the West, which I think is just if he doesn't win MVP, I don't like what that the team he has. There's no no scoring threat on there besides him. I think uh, I think. You know that would be a mistake if he didn't win MVP. But do you so. do you think that's just a big middle finger to somebody that left this team to Durant? Yeah. Uh, a little. Do, you, do you think he's just? I mean, do you think this is just that's part of what's driving him, or is, is he's just coming into it? I think it's less on Durant and more on what people thought he would be without him. Yeah, exactly. I think it's more of turning to the media and turning to people speculating that oh, without Durant he's a nobody, or the team's gonna fail. And I know he's come out saying like, uh, this just this, this doesn't matter to me. You know, yeah. I'm just playing the game, which. If, I think it's a complete lie. I think he, every game he's gonna go out there and try to just dominate as much as he can. Yeah, I think he he's a guy who's playing like like his hair is on fire. Like he is just so like he is literally willing this team to competitiveness. We just look at the talent. He they have talented guys around him like Stephen Adams, but they can't score, and so he's basically scoring and facilitating and rebounding on almost every play. Uh, and I do think there's a bit of like I'm gonna show you Durant. Like I didn't need you. There's a little bit of that, whereas I think with Durant, Durant left kind of for greener pastures, and everyone thought that, yeah, like the the Thunder would be competitive, but they wouldn't be like, you know, in it it, um, as a, you know, a top five, top six seed. It would be more like they're just competing just to get in. But I think he's kind of single handedly done that himself. So I think that's that's a big story. Uh, Westbrook, I think uh, the Warriors just. I mean, Clay, Clay Thompson put up 60 the other day. That was insane. I in watched three that quor- In 30 minutes, yeah. which was crazy. Yeah. Um, and they they just kind of look unstoppable. Do you guys think they will um, – I think we – I mean, I don't know. We all agree maybe Warriors-Cavs part three in the finals. But do you think the same thing will happen to them this year that happened last year? Like they'll, get, they'll make it all the way there, and then LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love will sort of stop them. I think the Golden State will be in the finals. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about the Cavs. I think the Cavs have a harder road ahead of them. Yeah, I think on paper it looks like the Golden State will have the tougher teams to battle, but yeah. I think the, just the more um, 
underdog teams will come back to haunt. Uh, yeah, like the Mavs, dude. They're totally going. <laughs> yes, the they're going to the yeah. playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen. Okay. It's, okay. it's. I'm gonna will it. That would be amazing. I'm gonna go call up my buddies over there and say, "Hey guys, let's do this one more time. That'll Screw the, the draft pick." That would be the greatest story in sports history if the Mavericks made the playoffs. Well, you know, there's been no team to ever come back from whatever twelve down to win the playoffs like right. the Cavs did. So yeah, true. very true. Uh, so I think the problem with uh, last year for Golden State was that they didn't have a big man and then yeah. they just couldn't make a shot. Right. And the only thing they did this year was add another shooter. Right. And so if the shots don't go in, they're left with the same problem. Yeah, I, and I think like the uh, they had a real problem last year clearing the glass in the finals. And so I could see Tristan Thompson just like grabbing all the offensive rebounds and getting mm-hmm. them extra shots and kind of Durant standing on the perimeter because it's really, I mean, they're relying on Zaza Pachulia uh, to clear the glass, and he sort of broke. He was really good to start the season last year as a Maverick, but then kind of broke down towards the end. Mm-hmm. And then you're also relying on uh, Draymond Green to really, basically, be to guard, um, to guard LeBron, and be your de facto center when you play small ball. So it's just, I could see them, I could see them losing again, which is why I think sort of my sleeper pick for. Uh, the finals this year is the Clippers. The Clippers. I, the Clippers. I think so. They remind me of the Mavericks from 2011. This is a really, right. this is a popular thought out there, but this is the first year of the Big Four in Golden State, right? So they're still figuring out how to how to win as a team, right? With sort of mm-hmm. a new a new cast of characters and Durant uh, at the center of that. And so this team has been together for like six, seven years. Uh, in some capacity, and Doc, Doc Rivers has been there for a while. And so I think this is their year to sneak in. You have the Cavs in the East kind of still riding high from their title. Will they be? Will they have the same intensity they had last year? And I think, yeah, I think Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan are like all at the peak of their powers right now. And so I think that they, um, I think that they, this is their year. If they're ever going to win, a title. This is the year, and this is the same thing for the Mavericks. That was like the one year they could win a title, and yep. that, that was their one moment in time. I think yep. the Clippers may take advantage of that this year. Well, it'd be cool to see an underdog kind of come in and and totally mix yeah, things. I'm up. tired of Warriors. Cast. It's it's exciting, but it's like, can we get a new blood in there? That would be fun. But I think I think there's this year, and then after that, I think it, it'll just be a lot of Warriors versus whoever from the East because I don't know how long uh, LeBron can keep up his level of play. Now, do you, I think things interesting. I think. Looking back, a lot of times for like the earlier years when there was these kind of these big two rivalries that lasted multiple years, right? That we kind of look back in fondness of them. Yeah. Now I don't know how in current you know when that happened that you like another season of yeah. these two going to Lakers, the finals, Lakers Celtics. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you know years from now we'll look back at this kind of rivalry of the Cavs and Warriors and be like, oh, that's a really good series to have. You know the how long it's gonna last. Yeah, and I think it was. I think the reason why people are getting a little tired of it is just the way these teams are constructed is basically superstars yep. joining up with other superstars whereas any but you even look at the Celtics teams I mean they had Bird, McHale, Parrish so that's a super that's that would today that would be a super team but those those te- they, those uh teams were all constructed mostly through the draft Right. Uh, and maybe one free agent signing, but this wasn't like, hey, I'm going to join up with you, su- uh, other two superstars, so we can make a super team. Right. Uh, because I can't do it on my own. It was ne- they didn't do that back back in the day. Whereas this year, it just it like the um, 
the sort of supremacy in the league feels manufactured it whereas feels like before it, it felt organic it you feels know? like real fantasy draft on real teams yeah exactly you know it's like let's just pick i mean well, who's to say if you don't have enough money you could just buy the five top players in the league and put yeah. them on a team get under your draft cap and like just do it like yeah that's what the warriors are they are the top, they are in with the the cap spike this year allowed them to bring in a player of like a, a team as good as the warriors last year when 73 games should have never been able to add an mv another mvp to their team that just shouldn't should have been able to happen and so that's why people are just like can we get an underdog in here who something who is just a a solid team who plays together and not this team that was basically it's just unfair and so that kind of we, we love rooting for the underdog, and there is no more underdog anymore. It's all you either a have or have not. So, almost feel it's become like wrestling, where it's they yeah. set up an advance <laughs> like we need a villain, we need a hero. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, the hero becomes the villain, the villain becomes a hero. Right. Where it's very much like a just a chess piece of like we need to cause some drama here just to just bring awareness. Yeah. That's the world hated LeBron last year, but now he's beloved this year, and the world loved the Warriors last year, but now they hate him this year. So it's just like it's just I'm kind of getting tired of it. I'm kind mm. I'm tired of thinking about these teams, and I, the math suck too. So, so well, yeah, then, that's that's yeah. a little bit a little bit of the NBA. So um, man, it's a good show, John. Thanks for thanks for joining us, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, yeah. man. Well, all right. So uh, look forward to another show soon. And check yeah. us out on wewerethinking.com. Look at us, or look at us. I guess you can't really look at us, but listen to us on <laughs> iTunes day. and SoundCloud. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening up. All right, peace. <laughs>